Awesome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Like Dana said, my name is Chris Spradlin, and man, we've known each other for years. So anything you need to know, a little bit of money, uh, I'll anything, whatever you need to know on Dana and Chris Byers, I know it. So a little bit about me. Uh, I have been married for 22 years. My wife is amazing, unbelievable, tough chick. When she was 16 years old, she was hit by a drunk driver, head on, lost her leg six inches below her right, uh, yeah, below her right knee, and today she like jumps out of planes, snowboards, and does all kinds of ridiculous stuff, all right? Amazing woman. I got three kiddos, Coltrane. He's my oldest. Cole is 19. I've got Kylie Faith. She's the boss of the house. She is 17 years old. I say yes, ma'am, to her. If you mess with her, I'll take you out. You'll straight up disappear. Like you will poop. You'll be gone. And then my youngest is Tifton Jack. He's a jackhammer. He's kind of my hippie vegetarian ice climber bizarre kid I have no idea where he came from but he is ours and then we've got dogs I've got a black lab my wife's got a stupid dog named Mobilish and then my, my youngest the jackhammer came to me about four years ago and he said dad I need you to sit down because I have a presentation to make to you so I sit down he cracks open this laptop and the title slide was why I deserve a pig for Christmas. And so he did a hard sell on me. I wrote a stupid check that I regret today. And we own a stupid pig that lives inside and uses the doggy door and he sits and he swims and unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, hindsight's 2020. Don't ever buy a pig. Okay. It's never a good deal or a good idea. Um, and so we call ourselves team Sprad. All right. So that's a little bit about me and the fam. So when I was talking with Dana and I was learning a little bit about the church and I, I was online and I was really looking at your values, there was one particular value that really stuck out to me as being a heart, the heart of Mercy Road and a real driver. And one of those values is strategic generosity. Okay, and so I went on to the website, and I love what Pastor Josh has to say about strategic generosity. It says, we want to be a generous church. We seek to become a church that gives. This right here is not normal. This is unbelievable. 50% of our financial resources away to help those in need and to share our faith around the world. So, so here's the thing, this is not normal. Churches don't do this. This is not the vision. You have some that are mission-minded and they give, but when you have a leader that steps up and says, no, 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 we're not going to be the regular everyday church, but God has called us to go up and above and beyond, and our vision is to give 50% of our resources out to missions to see, see lives change. That's Big vision. Some of you guys have heard of the book. It's called Big Hairy Audacious Goals. That's what that is. And that's something that you can't do. That is only something that God can do in and through you. So, Mercy Road, God is calling you to be strategically generous. God wants us to be generous with our time. God wants us to be generous with our resources, but for this weekend's talk, God wants us to be generous 
financially. So I lived years in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Just out of curious, anybody been there? Anybody at all? Handful of you guys, great. So we like raised our kids there. It was unbelievable. And so as a pastor at a church, it was on 30 acres, and it looked like Jack Hanna's wonderful adventure, okay? We had a pond. I had my fly rod. I would go fly fish. We had like eagles, and there were owls, and there were porcupines, and there were skunk, and there were elk, and there were moose, anything and everything that you can imagine. So here, here's the scene. It was late one night on a Saturday night. I was not done with my message yet. I was burning the midnight oil. It was about 12, 1230. I finished up my message. I was at the office. I closed up my laptop. I put in my backpack, all right? I throw my backpack over my shoulder and I had all kinds of stuff and I go to open the door and I close it. My car is about a hundred feet behind me and I turn around. When I turned around, I was headed to the car. I literally froze in place. Like froze. I could not move my body. And the reason why is I was standing face to face with about an eight, nine foot black bear. Okay, true story. I was like looking at his navel and I was very scared, all right? And so I was like this far from this dude and he had big old fangs and he stank and he had just having dinner and I was like next, I could tell. And there was slobber and he was clawing. And when that happens, there are a million things that go through your mind in a split second. The first thing is like, man, I'm gonna die. I didn't ever ask Keith, my buddy, to do my funeral. I don't know what song we're gonna do. That goes through your mind, right? But then I'm sitting here thinking, but seriously, if I go out like, how cool is this story going to be for my kids? Like, you never beat that. Hey, how'd your dad die, right? Yeah, my dad was eaten by a bear. So that's going through my mind. Then I'm thinking junior high football moves, okay? Maybe I can do a little, mm, like a, mm, and maybe go around, maybe a Heisman, something like that. I think about uh, Jaden Smith, karate kid, right? And so then I go back to Daniel's son, and I'm thinking maybe I can pull one of these. Literally, like in a split second, all of these things go through your mind, but I had to act, I had to do something because I was about to lose my life. So what did I do? Incredibly stupid. The only area that I could like touch and wouldn't get mauled would be like his kneecap-ish thing if he had something like that. And all I needed, I needed like two inches. Two inches is all I needed to like get back, turn around and go back inside. Okay, so I'm like, God, this is stupid, you know, bless this, this is outrageous, and so I just like do one of these, and I'm pretty weak, and, but, but I think he was like, it shocked him, and he went back like a couple inches, I think, because he thought I was so stupid, and so I was able to turn around, go back inside, and literally, yeah, I was a stud that day, because I beat a bear, and nobody here has ever done that, I guarantee you. You have never done that, all right? So here's the thing. I totally just lied to you, okay? I had you. Some of you, I had you. I was bringing you in, all right? Track with me. I did walk outside. There was a bear. He was really close to me. He was standing up, and I was about to die. I did not kick the stupid bear. Seriously, okay? I did not. Instead, here's what I did. Was I screamed like a girl... I wet my pants once, maybe twice, 
I turned around, I ran back inside and stayed there for about an hour shaking under my desk. There's your macho man kind of a guy, right? There you go. Here's the thing. When God calls us to generosity and you start to open that door, there is a bear and his name is Satan and he is on the other side of that door and he's crouching and he wants to take you out. He wants you to think that you don't have enough to be generous He wants you to think that your math actually trumps God's math. He wants you to think that God will not show up and that God will not provide. And these are the lies that the enemy sends us all day long. Some of you guys have been there, right? You feel like God's calling you to generosity. It's time to give. It's time to step out in faith and to trust that God's going to move. And you open the door of generosity. The bear crashes in. You begin to shrink back in fear. You wet your pants a couple of times and you run back inside and get under the desk and cry. And you never step into what God's calling you to do because you shrink back in fear. So another story, my oldest son, Coltrane, when he was probably about 19 years old, he was at the office, he was hanging out on the pier, had his feet in the water, cinnamon bear comes up to him, true story, no line in this one, okay? And so the bear starts to make his way around the pond, Coltrane doesn't have any idea what to do, so his instinct is, is he gets up out of the water and he stares at the bear, he's probably from here to that wall, the bear stands up, 10-year-old kid, gets on his tippy toes, gets his hands as big as he can, and he's doing this, and he's staring this bear down for like a minute, absolutely scared to death. The bear gets down all fours, and he walks away. Contrast that experience with my experience, and this is what God is calling you and I to do. When God calls us to be generous in faith, We have to step out and we have to stare the bear down. We have to stand in faith. No, Satan, God says that he will provide. No, Satan, God is Jehovah Jireh. No, Satan, my math and your math does not work, but God's math works and that God always provides. We have to have that type of mentality when it comes to generosity. And you guys will see there in your notes, Psalms 30, Isaiah 32, 8. It says, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm. Say that with me. Stand firm. Say it again. Stand firm in their generosity. Mercy Road, that's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us not to waver, not to be fearful, but that we would be generous and that we would stand firm no matter what it is that's going on in our lives. And we would become the people that God has called us to be. So we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians this weekend. And this is an amazing story of generosity, okay? Uh, so it's a story of the Macedonians. And so here's, here's their story. These guys had like crazy poverty going on. Like a whole nother level of poverty. You have homeless poverty and then you had the Macedonians. Okay. They they literally had nothing. And so a little bit about their story is they had actually been in three civil wars. So anything that they had ever had had been destroyed and taken away and pillaged. 
okay? On top of that, the Macedonians were radical Christ followers, okay? And so they were bold about their faith. And because of that, they went through extreme persecution. So you have civil wars, you have extreme persecution that's going on. And this is where we find the Macedonians today. I love this passage. It's really funny in some ways because here's what Paul is asking the Macedonians to do. He says, hey, listen, I know you're broke and I know you're struggling, but I need you to give. And I need you to give to the people in Jerusalem because they're struggling right now. And so that's the backdrop of our story. In your notes, you'll see that the title of the message is Three Mindsets of Strategic Generosity. And so the very first mindset, if you're taking notes, belief precedes generosity. So let's pick up with our story, right? So in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, and I'm going to stop right there because this is the book of James coming out, right? He's saying, listen, the Macedonians were struggling. They were hurting financially. They had been killed. There had been unbelievable tragedy that had come their way. But in the midst of this trial, that overflowing joy and their extreme poverty when they collided, when their joy, when their poverty came together and welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Here's the deal. God knew that they had been through wars. But he asked them to dig deep and to give. God knew that they had been persecuted as believers But what did God ask them to do? He called them out and asked them to be financially generous and to give of time and their resources and their finances to the church in Jerusalem, even though they had been persecuted. God knew that they may not be able to turn the lights on that week. God knew that they were struggling with food. God knew that water, they didn't have, he knew, God knew all of these things. And so many times we think that response would be to come alongside, which God did. But in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that struggle, God's supernatural, all-knowing, sovereign response was, no, we're not going to shrink back, but I'm going to ask you to give. I love it because it takes a ton of guts to be able to give and that kind of a situation. So here's what Paul says about it. Paul's like, man, they came through. He said, for I testify. He said, I saw it with my own two eyes. I've seen this. I saw it go down. That they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Mercy Road, here's what you have to understand, okay? There was a foundation underneath the Macedonians that knew and believed that God was going to show up. They knew that they knew. They knew that God was going to show up. God knew what they were going through. You and I, God knows what our financial struggle is. God knows that some of us look great on the inside, but some of us are a financial wreck 
on the inside. God knows that some of our electric bills may not get paid. God knows that the Lexus may get repoed next month. God knows that your marriage has struggled because of not being able to manage your finances well, right? We, we go through these challenges just like the Macedonians, but what God doesn't say is, hey, listen, I want you to stop giving altogether. No, he says, listen, I want to call you to a place of generosity. I want to call you to a place of irrational trust in me in this season of your life. So every Christmas, we would go to my grandparents, right? And I'll never forget, I was probably seventh, eighth grade, and they would always hand out the gifts. They were so excited to give us our gifts, right? And uh, they gave me this one, and so I opened it up, and it was what every junior high boy dreamed of having. It was a brown v-neck sweater from Sears with a dragon spinning fire out of its mouth, right? It was my dream. How did they know? I have no idea. So I go home. I wad that up and I throw it up in my closet with the rest of everything, you know, that I don't like, right? Right? The next year we go back, they give me a gift, I open it, and I guess because of my enthusiasm and excitement for the last one, they gave me another one. They went from a medium to a large, and they gave me a brown v-neck sweater with the dragon that spits fire. So what did I do with that one? Same thing, went, took it, I threw it away, right? So here's the thing. God has given you and I a gift. And the gift is his promises. Okay? His promises, which are, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. His promise is that my name is Jehovah Jireh and I will provide. His promise is that don't shrink back in fear because I will go before you. His promises are that if we trust in him, that God will bring provision into our lives. So there are some of us, when it comes to this topic of giving financially, as you walk in fear, what you need to do is you need to go get that brown v-neck sweater out of the top of the closet. You need to shake it out. You need to put it on. You need to stand in front of the mirror with that thing on. And you have to stand on this promises, stand in these gifts that God's given you, that he is going to supply all your needs. Because before you ever become generous, belief that God is going to move, belief that God is going to show up always precedes generosity. Okay, next point. Number two, Generosity changes lives. Story goes on, all right? Paul's talking about the Macedonians. He says, entirely on their own, buckle up, this is about to get really ridiculous, okay? Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That's the key word, the Lord's people. So as I look at this, My experience with people that are in extreme poverty, they typically beg for food. 
or they beg for money because of their unique situation that they're in. But what you see in this situation, if these particular people that were walking in extreme poverty, they did not beg for food. They begged for the opportunity to give, which is bizarre. So they came to Paul and said, listen, Paul, we know that we're going through struggles. We know we're walking through challenges, but we want to be used by God. We want to be able to be generous and to give out of our poverty, and we're going to believe that God's going to show up. We believe that God's going to move in a mighty, holy way, and we want to give, and we want to give irrationally. And so what you see in this verse is that when they give, it went in service to the Lord's people. What does that mean? It, it means it went to see lives changed, okay? It went to see lives changed. Here's the thing. God is asking you and I to give strategically. That's what Pastor Josh has laid out as well, right? How's Mercy Road doing at that? Check this out. This is pretty interesting. 2016, you guys gave 30% of your budget to church planning, local and global missions. Have I already said that that's not normal. Mercy Road, you guys are not normal. You're weird, okay? That does not happen, okay? And you guys are just getting started. I talked to Dana. I think it's already on track to be like 35% at this point. So they're already raising the level of generosity, right? That's not it. 2017, yeah, you guys want to go from 35 to 50%. In 2016, you guys, guys gave $100,000 to multiply Indiana, and you multiplied five churches, it keeps going. April 2017, so you guys $50,000 to church online, right? Because you wanted to begin to see that ministry began to grow. And here's what's unbelievable as well. In 18 months, you guys doubled in size. Again, that's not normal. That does not happen. So when you guys give to Mercy Road, Here's what's happening is that money is going directly to impact and to change lives. Because you give, marriages are getting put back together. Because you give, chains are being broken, right? And people are walking away from addiction. Because you give, people are coming in here that have never come in here before and finding Christ, right? Because you give. And so, so many times when we give, it literally just becomes this moment, I'm just going to give. When the reality is it's a holy calling, it's a holy moment, and this is an opportunity for us to pause, for us to reflect, and say, God, we're going to give this, we're going to sow the seed and belief that God's going to move, that God's going to change, and that God's going to impact lives. But here's the thing, it's funny, some of us have the when-then disease, Right? My son, Tipton Jack, he's got this. Dad, when, you know, I'm done playing Xbox, then I'm going to do my homework, right? Dad, when I'm done watching The Walking Dead, then I'll go take out the trash. And as adults, we do that too. When I get more time, then I'm going to spend more time with the Lord. Or when I get this debt paid off, then 
I'm going to be more generous. Or when I get that second job, then I'm going, it's a win-then disease. And the win-then disease robs us and takes us out of God's best and God's blessing in our lives. So three mindsets of strategic generosity. The very first one is belief precedes generosity. Number two is that generosity changes lives. And number three, alignment precedes provision, okay? Check this story. So they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. Alignment precedes provision. So this really doesn't cause bad luck. That's a myth. So we lived in Colorado. Tifton Jack, my son and I, we're getting ready to go outside. We're going to spend the day and in May, we have these crazy showers where it snows, sleets, hails. You might get struck by lightning, and it's sunshine. It's absolutely outrageous and unreal. So we walk outside. The storm comes. I got to protect this mug because I ain't got any hair on it. So I'm like, hey, Tifton, go back inside. Get us an umbrella. So he goes in. Tifton gets an umbrella. He covers himself with the umbrella. He gives me a what's up, and he leaves. And I'm like, yo, Tifton, Jack, get back up here on the deck and give me that umbrella. And I took it away from him, and I took a moment just to, like, impart deep spiritual wisdom from his daddy. And I said, listen, listen, Tifton, before you're ever allowed to carry the umbrella, son, you got to learn how to come underneath the umbrella. I said, when your daddy takes a step, dog, you better take a step. When I take another step, you better take a step. If your dad turns around, you better turn around. If I run, if I walk backwards, if I moonwalk. Whatever I do, Tifton Jack, you better learn to come underneath your daddy's umbrella because when you come underneath your daddy's umbrella, that's where the provision of your father is going to come from. I said, but as soon as you think you're man enough to step outside that umbrella, the storms of life, the hail, the sleet, and the lightning is absolutely going to take you out. And I think that's what this verse it's talking about, it says the Macedonians, before they give before anything, they gave themselves to God fully. They came under the umbrella of God. And when you come under the umbrella of God, alignment equals provision. Misalignment equals no provision. And some of us like to like come under alignment a little bit and there's not provision when you don't come completely in alignment. So what does alignment mean in the topic of giving? I believe there's a biblical mandate of how to come into an alignment with giving. And if you guys are taking notes, the very first one in terms of what is the biblical alignment of giving, the first is the tithe is first. So many of you guys have heard this, right? Leviticus 27.30 says, a tithe of everything from the Lord, whether it's grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belong to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So what it's saying is, listen, a tithe, the Hebrew word there is maser, which means a tenth. And he's saying, of everything that comes in to you, all the revenue that comes in to Team Sprad, what I'm going to do is I'm going to step out in faith and walk in holiness, and I'm going to give Back to God, the first 10% that comes into the Spradlin's family. Why? Why am I going to do that? Because I want to walk in alignment. Because when you walk in alignment, total provision comes through alignment. So the tithe is first. 
Number two, offerings are second. Excuse me. Let me keep going. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Scholars believe this means the local church. So bring the tithe into the local church. There may be food in the house. I love this. Test me in this, says God. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. God's saying, listen, bring the tithe to the local church, the first 10%. And he says, and when you do that, he said, test me. Test me. He says, bring it. Because I will bring blessings that are uncontainable into your life. Now, some of us think that means a check next Monday, right? We want God to write us a check. I can't tell you what that blessing is or what it looks like, but God promises provision for those that take the first 10% and bring it to the local church. That's easy when you make 100 bucks, right? That's 10 bucks. A little tougher if you make 10,000, that's a grand. And some of you make 100 grand, you know, it's 10 grand. You're like, wow, is there any way that I can give like 10 grand for the church? The amount doesn't matter. It's a biblical principle that matters and us coming into alignment with God's plan. So what's the second? What's the second piece in a formula for biblical giving is offerings are second. I love this verse. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided, their strategic giving, in your heart, right? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That's coming into alignment, right? So that in all things, in all times, having all that you need... You will abound in every good work. Here's what we want to do so many times. Is we want to give to the things that we love to give to, right? Because there are a million opportunities to impact and change lives. We want to give to missions. We want to give to church online. We want to give to support this missionary. And all of those things is what we're called to do. But what I want to encourage you, Mercy Road, is to walk in alignment. And remember that first 10, that first 10, bring it into the storehouse and up and above and beyond that is our generous heart giving offerings to the Lord. One last story. So me and the kiddos were on vacation when I was young. When my kiddos were really young, we were in Florida, right? And so we're walking along the beach, and my kids were like seven, five, and three. And we see this homeless dude, and he was hanging out. We noticed him. God spoke to my spirit. Spirit immediately said, I want you to go and talk to this guy. (laughs) My answer was, God, I'm on vacation. And find somebody else, man. I'm tired, God. I am tired. Find another faithful servant unlike me. So we go, and the kids are playing on the beach. You know how God just doesn't stop 
and he would not stop. So I finally stood up with leadership and authority in my voice. And I said, kids, we're going to go show this homeless man the love of Jesus. Come on. They were like, oh, dad, what's the problem? So we go there. He has like five Ritz crackers left. Coltrane says, sir, can I have the rest of your crackers? I'm like, Cole, dude, you don't ask homeless people for food. What's wrong with you, right? His answer was, no, 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 it's good. I'll give him whatever I have. So he gave it to him. We started talking. We prayed over him. God said, give him a hundred bucks. Took a hundred bucks out of my pocket. I gave it to him. Tears started to come down his eyes. I said, man, what's wrong? He said, I'm a pastor to homeless people. He said, I start small groups under bridges. And I have churches in Louisiana. I have them in Florida. And God's called me to get back to New Orleans. And I went, I went to the bus, stopped to go get a ticket. I didn't have enough money. It was 100 bucks. And I have been waiting here for the past five hours because God said that he was going to bring me $100. I gave him 100 bucks. I repented of my horrible attitude. But I thank God that I was open to listening to what God was saying, what God was doing. That's what God's call. God is calling us to respond and to be generous people. Let's pray. I just have one question, and then I'm going to turn it over to the band. If you feel like God is speaking to you right now, and you feel like God is calling you to a place of next level generosity, to walk in obedience in the tithe, what I want you to do is I want you to boldly right now say, Chris, man, God's talking to me. He's speaking to me. And I want you to raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you. Lift your hand up. Several going up. Are there others of you? Anyone else? Hands right here, right back there in the back. There's others right back there in the back. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you. God, I ask that you would just take this message and I pray that it would take root. I pray that we would walk out of here transformed and changed. God, I pray that we would be generous. God, use this church in a mighty and holy way to impact and change lives. In Jesus' name, amen.